again, welcome to another edition of From the Boardroom to the Locker Room. I'm Louis Campus. Nice to have you with us today. And we are joined this evening by Siviwe Sonwabile Sheikh Soizwabi, the captain of the Blitzbocker. Sheikhs, welcome to the show. Nice to have you with us. Thank you so much. I never realized I had so many S's in all my names, but uh, it's good to be on the show. Yeah, quadruple S, uh, I suppose when you hear it, it's different. But I suppose when you hear gold medalist from the Commonwealth Games, that must make you feel really good. Yeah, so special. I was just saying now to Nick, it's really a special feeling when you uh, prepare well and you create good habits and go through processes and uh, you get a, a different type of enjoyment when that just comes off on, on the com- competing field. So uh, that's actually what happened for us. And we're so happy to actually have uh, got the result. And I mean, an unbelievable amount of pressure on you guys because of the season that you've had. I guess uh, you were on a, a no-win situation if you didn't win. Yeah, I mean, we started off the season well. And then we didn't do well, actually, just before Commonwealth Games. So I guess people <laughs> people and our supporters are actually expecting things to almost make a turn. So we're just really happy on how things turned out. As I said, I think just the hard work that the boys put in and just sticking to our processes, it, it really came off uh, really nicely for us. And we really enjoyed that. I'm sure there's a couple of South Africans, myself included, who say you owe us a few hours of sleep. And it's not your fault. I mean, you play uh, <laughs> around the world and you're forever getting into the final. And the final is always some ridiculous hour of the night on a Sunday evening. But we're always there watching you. I mean, it's, it's become an incredible phenomenon, the Sevens Rugby. I was just saying now, Louis, Nick told me that uh, the kids are up watching at those crazy hours. And it's it's so special for us as a group to hear such stories and to have supporters up at those hours. It's really special for us and to hear that it's, it gives us so much inspiration to just keep playing for the country and to represent them all. So I'm really, really grateful for all our supporters. So you, if I may say, kind of were converted, weren't you, from the 15-man game to the seven-man game, started off with the Border Bulldogs and then played for the Eastern Province Kings. How did the transition happen? What what created that change from 15-man to seven-man rugby for you? While I was at school, I always knew I wanted to play sevens. We never had sevens at school, but there were competitions, the Atlantic sevens that we used to play in while still in high school. And it just motivated me even more to to pursue uh, a career in seven. But I uh, only had an offer to play 15s, and I took that. So while I was playing for the 15s in Port Elizabeth for the Kings, I um, I still pursued coming and making a career of sevens rugby. So I got invited once for a camp, and uh, I was just playing for the academy and, and the samurai teams and just uh, bouncing back and forth between the union and, and the national team. So, um, yeah, eventually when the Kings were going through financial problems, I I decided to make that transition 2016 and I never looked back. I mean, we look back at your career and if I take you back to when you, I mean, you were born in Tata. Did you ever think, in, obviously you were too young in 1992 to think, but if you know what I'm saying, in your youth that you would one day 
be the captain of the Springbok Sevens rugby team? Was it was it ever something that you thought was attainable? Never. Um, I mean, I actually, to be honest, knew a little about rugby, especially at my younger days and at my youth years. I only did rugby as an extramural activity. I, I played it since I was nine years old. But moving to Dale, which was a rugby school, I, I actually was more fond of, of becoming a springbok and dreaming that way, rather. But uh, when I started playing Atlantic Sevens, which was close to my matric here, that's when I, I wanted to play for the Sevens. And, and I knew I wanted to be a player of the Sevens, but to actually lead the team, I, I never saw that come. Look, I know the answer to this question, so I don't want you to take it the wrong way. And, and I'd just like you to explain to people who come up with a comment of, oh, you guys play Sevens because it's not as physical as the 15-man game. But I mean, you guys are <laughs> incredible. It's a lot of nonsense there, truly. <laughs> I must say the 15th game is, is very, very physical. I think it's, it's, it's what distinguishes it from the seventh game, you know, and you get attributes of the seventh game that you don't get in 15th and vice versa. So it's never really a comparison, you know, and I mean, there is a bit of contact in sevens, actually a lot nowadays. So yeah, I think we enjoy it mostly because it is different. It's more dynamic. Uh, so exciting. The atmosphere in the stadium is electric and uh, there's always action, you know. We enjoy all that space playing on the same size field. It's just amazing actually to be part of a national setup because of the culture of the team and just the hard work and having something to work towards and it gives you so much of a purpose. So for me personally, I think those are the main points. And yeah, I, I agree with the statement though that uh, the 15th game is much more physical, but you can't really compare the two. What makes South African sevens rugby so good? <laughs> um, I think that's that's definitely a compliment to the to the national side. Yeah, I think it's not necessarily about this group. It's about what happened in the beginning when the sevens game started and when necessary individuals that were there at the time decided to make it a, a professional career as well. You know, the, the, the culture that came into play uh, in the beginning, I think, is the foundation of it all. And as I said, it's, it's not about the current blitz box. Uh, however, it's about, in the beginning, the pioneers of greatness who came up with such slogans to actually pursue something of that nature, to just chase greatness and not accept mediocrity and not stand for average, you know. And I think it, it kept on growing. And I mean, today we we have a why of playing to be pioneers of greatness and to inspire hope to the country, you know. And the dream come true for most of these players that are part of this group, uh, all coming from humble beginnings and uh, just trying to make their dreams become a reality. We always say that we're a bunch of nobodies that work hard and play for each other and just playing for the brotherhood and, and, the, and, the, and the badge and the colors of South Africa. So we are a rainbow nation. We're quite diverse. So we close-knit. We are family. And I really, I really believe that the culture in the team is everything and it really drives the players to actually work hard for one another. I think that's an amazing summary of uh, what I hope 
everybody sees as the rainbow nation. Stepping aside from all of this chosen on merit and selection policies and all that, you know, mm. put that out the window. I think you guys are the epitome of what we all in South Africa would like to see in every sport. Absolutely. I think it's it's not about the individual and, and that's what makes it special. You know, each and every player that's here, whether you are part of a touring 13 or you stay at home and you keep doing conditioning, it's never about you. You know, you, you might be on a television screen, you get to do interviews and get a gold medal, whatever the case may be, but never about the individual. It's always about the team and the system and it's all about Springbok Sevens. Uh, our coach always talks about that when we're done playing and when he leaves the Sevens, um, the Sevens will still be there, but Neil Powell or Sevilla Sojwapi will, will not be there anymore. So, yeah, I think that's, that, that is it in a nutshell. Yeah, the philosophy sounds absolutely amazing, but it doesn't just come easy. You guys work really, really hard. You travel all around the world. There's, I'm sure, lots and lots of times where you sometimes don't even know what time zone you're in, uh, yet you have performed time and time again at the highest level. It's not easy. Uh, yeah, it's not easy. And um, we actually pride ourselves in never, ever having excuses. So we make it work, you know, and sometimes we we don't have like the lavish lifestyle that people might think we have uh, or what it might seem like, you know, but um, it's never about making excuses and adapting in all situations that are thrown at us. I think a great example was the Olympic Games when we literally had about, uh, I can count the days on my finger that we had to prepare for that. We lost our coach to COVID and we just had to make it work, you know, and we didn't win the gold medal and it's not about that, but we, that's what we stand for. And just small things as well, coming to work and you don't feel like training your body. So you just can't make an excuse about it. You know, you just have to put your head down and hit the grindstone. So that's what we're all about. And um, as you said, it's not easy. It's all about adapting and, just sacrificing yourself and not making it about you. But, I mean, you have to know how to lose to be able to know how to win. So put the Olympics behind you. I mean, then came the Commonwealth Games and other events, World Cups coming up. So uh, you, you guys are in a, in a luckier situation, if you like, than other sports in this country where pretty much the next week or the week after that, you've got an opportunity to make it right. No, absolutely. I think that's the beauty about the Sevens game. You get another opportunity within the same day, actually, to make it right. Uh, and most of the times, we actually never have good starts to the tournament. And game two and game three, we gradually pick it up and we start doing better because, as you said, you learn from what doesn't go right, you know. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it's just a special place to be and to be able to... Uh, be part of the system and to be able to represent your country at, at the highest level. Now, it's not just about the guys on the field. Let's talk a little bit about the coach. I mean, Neil Powell has done the most incredible job of grooming and bringing together a group of players, whether it's from training in Stellenbosch through to the actual events. And he takes almost no credit. I mean, he's so humble mm. in his whole approach. He kind of like sits in the background. You hardly even know he's there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I I think 
uh, a word on coach is, yeah, I think an un- unbelievable human being. And one of our philosophies is that uh, better people make better players and better individuals make better uh, professionals. So um, I think coach epitomizes that. Uh, it's just the person that he is, the values that he upholds, and just the hard worker that he is as well, you know. I think credit must go to the Springbok Sevens Academy, which is a um, a fantastic um, platform uh, and a almost a feeder system for the Springbok Sevens itself. You know, Marius Kuman and Sandile Nobo are always working hard behind the scenes to make sure that we develop the next generation of Springbok players. You know, they, they work hard to do the scouting and watch all the high school games and work with them when they are drafted into the academy system and working so well with Coach Neil, who goes with the team on tour and does most of the coaching with the main side, you know. And as you said, he takes he takes no credit and he puts the players first. So unbelievable team and system to be a part of and definitely uh, to be your leader. He leads by example. He's the first guy to pack the buses when we have to travel. He's down there sweating in his golf shirt and packing the players' bags, you know. So that's just the kind of person that he is. And he just leads from the front. And it's not just about um, talking the talk, but he, he walks it as well. What I need to also reiterate here, and uh, for those people who are regulars of the show, and I'll be open and honest, I'm not the greatest fan of administrators. I much prefer sportsmen. But I think... When credit needs to be given to administrators, I would like to do so. And, and in this particular instance, the South African Rugby Football Union, they could so easily have just given sevens the brush aside with the magnificent 15-man team that we've got with everything that the world wants to see, uh, led by a black Springbok player who came from Zwane. And, you know, the whole vibe and the hype and everything around it. Yet they haven't done that. They actually have kept sevens going. They've kept you guys in the spotlight. And they need a lot of credit, don't they? Absolutely. I think we, we would be nowhere without the SA Rugby. And they they really do take great care of the Springbok sevens players and the system. So, um, and I agree. I think we have a phenomenal Springbok team that needs a lot of attention from an administrative side. And we were never forgotten. And I think that actually helps us a lot with our performances as well to know that uh, we have an administrative team that's behind us and, and makes it work. You know, we, we're still able to have academy players that are on academy contracts and that gives us the depth that we need to be able to go through a season. Yeah, so a huge credit has to go to SA Rugby. They really, they really are, are looking after us and they're keeping the Springbok Sevens going. So I, I agree. I think massive credit to, to Saru. So no pressure, but there's a small tournament called the Sevens World Cup in the beautiful Cape uh, coming up in September. You ready? <laughs> uh, I think if it was so small, we wouldn't we wouldn't <laughs> know so much about it. <laughs> yeah, listen, we we actually, the prep that we are busy with now and the camp that we are in uh, for the LA Sevens is basically our preparation for the World Cup, including the tournament in LA. Yeah, I think the couple of days left that we have here in South Africa 
to prepare for LA and uh, the past two weeks that we've We've been here preparing um, form part of that preparation for the World Cup. And I think next weekend we'll have good competition. Having New Zealand in our pool, we're going to play against the hosts. And uh, and, and and if all goes well, we, we might also cross with um, competitive sides like Fiji in the quarter. So that's the preparation that we, we that's facing us. And coming back home in Cape Town, playing in front of our home crowd, our friends, our families, and definitely going to be big. I think this is this is the first World Cup uh, back in South African soil after the 1995 uh, Springbok World Cup. So it's, it's going to be massive. And yeah, I think playing in LA and being in camp now is uh, will be great preparation for us to come and uh, represent the country. How's the uh, fitness levels and the injury situation in the team? We've suffered a few injuries in the last couple of months, eh? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think that's that's part of the game. And again, as I mentioned earlier, it's it's, it's all about adaptability. You know, I think the the blessing to the curse is that we actually have some players coming back from injury. We lost a couple of guys in Birmingham, and it's actually injuries that we only picked up when we landed back at home uh, after players had scans. And also, this last week has been quite yeah, unforgiving on, on our team. You know, we lost two players to injury. And um, yeah, uh, we, we we do, though, have a, a full squad that will be ready to travel on Sunday. And um, yeah, hopefully we can get, uh, we're looking to get some of those players that got hurt in Birmingham to make a return for the World Cup. So I was asking about the pressure and I obviously was joking about it being a small little tournament. I was at uh, the Cape Town <laughs> Stadium. I was at the Cape Town sure. Stadium for the Springbok Wales game, Eben Etzebet's 100 game, uh, the singing yeah. of the national anthem. I mean, it was absolutely incredible and I'm I'm based in Cape Town so I know how quickly the tickets sold out. It, it mm. must be, you must be having goosebumps on your goosebumps thinking about playing in front of that <laughs> but will be a partisan South African crowd, three days of intense rugby in arguably one of the best stadiums in the world. Like you read my mind, Louis, the day that Yeben ran out there in Cape Town Stadium for his 100th uh, cap, I was actually there watching it live as well. And the atmosphere in the stadium was out of this world. It was absolutely electric. And just people seem really hungry to be out in the stadiums and supporting their country. I was also fortunate enough to be at Ellis Park as well last weekend against the All Blacks. And the people, the numbers just keep, they keep coming in droves. Yeah, I think when I was there for Eben's 100th and watching the box take on Wales, the stadium was just fully packed and it was just great being there. And I could only imagine what the players are feeling running on that field, you know, and it just, as you say, it, got, it gave me goosebumps on my goosebumps. Yeah. And, uh, and, and you'll get to run out more than once. I mean, that's the amazing part about it. They got to run out once and play 80 minutes. You can run out six or seven times. Yeah. yeah um, yes, we, we're really excited for it. And uh, we, can't, we can't wait. And it's, it's literally around the corner. And yeah, tickets flew off the, off the, off, off, off the internet. However, there are a few tickets left that people can go out there and purchase. 
And uh, yeah, just working hard and crossing fingers for no injuries. Uh, um, that I, I yeah, can... I'm sure you've got a lot of uh, new friends who will be wanting the odd complimentary for the match. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of <laughs> coming on the on the on the phone calls and um, uh, making a reappearance in in the friendship again. You know. <laughs> But yeah, no, there's a lot of people who are looking for tickets, and yeah, we we have we have received an opportunity to purchase for ourselves as well. So um, yeah, we're quite looking forward to to be there. But as I said, I think there are a few tickets left that people can purchase as well. So let's just uh, look at the the whole the whole event as a three day spectacle. Fantastic to have women sevens uh, involved as well. I think the ladies are getting more opportunities to to play, which is amazing. We were with them in Birmingham and Paul Dalport, uh, they did a good job there and 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 doing much better uh, compared to the to the to the pre- previous trips that they've made. And obviously, they went straight from there to Chile as well. So I think that's what the country is about as well. Look to get the women involved as well, and um, I think it'll be great. It's it's always special for them as well to be able to not only represent the country but to do it in front of their home crowd is is always special. I remember in 2019 we had them in the tournament as well when when uh, the Sevens were lost in Cape Town. So um, I think it'll be amazing to have both. We've obviously got a tournament, as you say, coming up in the United States that you guys have got to get past uh, before, obviously, Cape Town. Do you think the guys will... I mean, I know it's difficult to to say, but will you hold back a little bit in, in Los Angeles with the worry maybe of getting injured or do you just get out there and play? We're going out there to play. And that's that would be deviating from who we are, you know. And as I said, we 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 always um, pride ourselves on processes. So and what goes with the process is the effort, you know. And that's what we we judge ourselves on. We actually never talk about winning. We always look at the effort that we bring on the field and the implementation of the processes and this tour won't be different. If ever there was a correct answer, that was the correct answer. Uh, in closing, let's uh, have a conversation about who you think will be uh, the main arrival. There's Fiji and New Zealand. We'll have to watch out for them in Cape Town. Yeah, for sure. I think having missing about four of the tournaments this season in the beginning of the season, uh, the, both those countries have been uh, hungry for rugby, you know, and, and, and they both did well in Birmingham, both meddling as well at the Commonwealth Games. So uh, definitely, and and both our rivals. You know, so always a big and interesting game against both nations. And uh, But with that being said, I think it's actually tough playing on the circuit now. Uh, all the teams, <laughs> uh, they're growing and it's never an easy game. All games are tough. So, But I think Fiji and New Zealand and Australia is really doing well this, this season as well. So, um, and not writing off the Argentinians. So, in closing, I just hope that Sia Colis is uh, listening to us because uh, he needs to know that he needs to be at the Cape Town Stadium watching you like you did at Ellis Park and the Cape Town Stadium when he led the team on at the World <laughs> Cup. The viewers will hope... be there, shaped so as well, be. All the S's. You've been an absolute gentleman and a pleasure to chat to. Thank you so much for joining us and all the best in LA. And of course, 
Go Walker for the Cape Johnson. Thanks a lot, Louis. Appreciate it.